listening to episode 31 of the Senior Style Guide to Real Talk podcast. I'm your host, Sean Brown, and on today's episode, we have Lacey Carroll joining us, who is a photographer that was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and officially went full-time with her photography in 2013. She's been shooting portraiture for over a decade and is really known for her fashion-forward sense. Lacey is someone who loves to travel and has been to 18 countries, 23 states, and counting. She's married to her husband, Kyle, and together they're raising their two beautiful nieces, Samantha and Katrina. One of the cool things about Lacey is that she actually went to school for environmental science and journalism, but has fallen full into the world of photography, and we're actually going to touch on that in today's episode. One of the things that we're also going to do is talk about how she draws her creation, where she looks for it, and how she is inspired, and then we're also going to dive into her experience with going from a ton of clients to hardly any, and how she battled that to make sure that her schedule was being booked and that she was able to run her business the way that she needed to, to drive profit, and to still do what she loves. So let's dive in to episode 31 of the Senior Style Guide podcast with Lacey Carroll. Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Talk, this Senior Style Guide podcast. Happy Monday morning. Hope you guys have your cup of coffee just like I do. Today we are with Lacey Carroll. If you guys haven't seen her work, go check it out. Stop the podcast, YouTube video, go to Instagram really quick and check it out because she is amazing. Lacey is based in the Sacramento, California area and is a high school senior photographer who also does a little bit of studio and editorial and commercial work on the side. So she's kind of super well-rounded and you probably recognize her for her amazing, incredible studio imagery. Um, She has been in business for definitely enough time for um, her to have some struggles, which we're going to dive into in this episode. And then just talk about her creative process and, and kind of where she draws creativity and all that fun stuff. So super excited to have her on here today. So welcome, Lacey. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. So let's get started out for those listeners and viewers who don't know you. Give that rundown about who you are, what you do, all of that good stuff. Sure. Um, So I have been in business full-time since 2013. Um, I dabbled uh, in college and a little bit after college, and um, I went full swing in 2013. Uh, I started off shooting everything. I think everybody does that, Um, you know, families and seniors and um, things like that. And I found that I really, really loved the senior aspect of it. And I loved the fashion aspect of senior photography and the fact that I could start styling them. And it was very important to me to kind of um, put it out there that I was um, able to encourage these girls uh, who are transitioning into adulthood and making them feel like a mil- million bucks. So from there, um, some people saw my se- senior imagery and started hiring me for um, some campaigns for clothing. And when I started doing more studio stuff, I transitioned into editorial and some makeup photography as well. Very cool. And we were talking about this a little bit kind of before the cameras went live, but you actually got a degree in, in that kind of the hard, hard sciences yes. from college. 
Um, and then you had mentioned that you really didn't think photography could carry you. Yes. What is that? What did that conversation with yourself look like? So, um, in high school, I actually, believe it or not, took a photography class, but it was the old school darkroom stuff. And I didn't do too well. I think it was because my teacher wanted a more straightforward approach and I wanted to do some weird stuff. And <laughs> it wasn't about that. So um, I actually didn't get a great grade and I thought, well, there's no way. Cause my dream back then was to do like national geographic and stuff like that. Um, so I went into college with that kind of um, tossed aside and uh, I started um, doing environmental science and um, I still dabbled with photography but just hobbyist um, and I just thought there's no way it's kind of like acting or any other creative uh, outlet it's pretty difficult to make that transition and think you can sustain yourself and not just be a working artist where you're barely making it through so I think that was uh, an important part of um, my conversation with myself was that I thought, okay, I should go for something more practical and maybe do this on the side for fun. Um, but eventually I started doing more and more um, families and, and some events and things like that. Uh, so it kind of transitioned that people started paying me and then I realized, okay, well, I kind of need to start a side business and then eventually it went full blown. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Was it that initial grade that you got where it was kind of that, almost like that setback in high school that really deterred you from photography? I would say that was a big part of it. Um, you know, he, I'm not going to say his name, but that teacher was very straightforward. And um, I put like when, I don't know if you've ever developed in a dark room before, mm -hmm. but I liked um, developing and like putting mesh over the developer and stuff like that. So, or over the light. Um, just to like play around and he just was not into that. He was like, this is not how you do it. So um, I think, you know, at 16 or whatever I was at the time, or maybe younger, I think it was freshman year, actually. So I was 14. I just didn't have the faculties available to say, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I like. You know, when you're 14, you just listen to whoever's in charge and kind of go that way. So um, it, it did discourage me a bit, but um, I still picked up the camera uh, and I had a small little, when digital cameras came out, I had a small little one that I would kind of play around with. And I always still dabbled, but, uh, definitely did not have the confidence to do something, you know, professionally. How did you work to overcome that? Where if it's like a, if it's something that you really enjoy and that, that you're passionate about, you know, sometimes those external factors can really influence you. So what did you do or how did you overcome somebody being like, this isn't how you do it. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. We're not giving you a good grade or we're not passing you or, or what have you. So I think it was out of almost necessity. Um, I was also, when I was in college, I was uh, minoring in journalism as well. And a lot of, since I was in the science world, I would do a lot of stories with that had to do with science and the environment. And um, I think a lot of the times the photographers wouldn't show up because it was kind of a boring story. It wasn't, you know, front page. So I ended up renting a, a, a camera from the journalism department and taking my own photos. And I got a few accolades for them in the college um, 
journalism world. So I ended up saying, well, maybe I'm not so bad. So that kind of boosted my confidence. And then eventually um, I started taking photos for family members, close friends, and then they wanted to pay me and it kind of went from there. So let's talk about that. You mentioned that it was that accolade that kind of worked to help build confidence. Yeah. What, what did your inner self say? Um, you know, it's hard as an, as an artist uh, to stay true to yourself um, and kind of get those accolades and understand, uh, you know, where you're coming from, what perspective you're coming from. And with the journalism department kind of giving me those accolades, it really did help uh, make me realize, okay, maybe my perspective isn't for everybody, but that doesn't mean it's not valid. Um, so that kind of validated myself at the time. And I just, um, realized I do like working with people. I do like capturing those moments. So, um, you know, even though it started as more of a, you know, journalistic style, um, it went into portraiture rather quickly because that's what I realized I enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after you graduate from, from college, you get your degree, do you start your business right away? Do you take some time off? Um, I went straight into, I actually worked at the Environmental Protection Agency, um, which is what landed me in Sacramento because that's the capital of um, California. Um, so I was working for them and um, I got put on contract uh, because of the recession. So it was difficult to find work um, as a newly uh, graduated person. It was probably a year and a half after I graduated. So I didn't have a whole lot of work experience. Um, so the market was tough and I um, started doing marketing on the side and with marketing, you have to take photos. So it just kind of snowballed from there. And I was at that marketing job for about two years. And after that, I went full blown photographer. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so now you're doing high school seniors, you're doing some editorial. You said you just shot a makeup campaign. How did you get into kind of um, high school seniors besides, you know, just the fashion stuff? And then what drew you to those other genres as well? Um, so I actually just started advertising on social media and I built my website and I had a couple of, um, I have some teenagers in my family that they weren't seniors yet. Um, but I said, you know, let me just kind of practice and see what I want to do. I didn't style them at all um, at first, just because, you know, you just show up with what you show up with. And we kind of did that. Um, I don't want to call it cliche, but uh, the white dress in the field kind of look, which is awesome. I love it. It's beautiful. But I think that's where everyone kind of starts off and it's easy to shoot. So um, I suggested to them, hey, get a white you know, a pretty white dress. So they, they went and got a dress and we kind of started that way. Um, and then uh, from there, I just kind of started getting, people saw those photos, they really liked those photos and a couple of local girls. I didn't reach out at that time because I didn't know how to start a, you know, senior team. I didn't know any of that. I was like, just shooting, <laughs> yay, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, and I was more focused on, on family photography, but, um, you know, a couple of the families that I shot had teenagers and it just kind of built from there. Um, and it was 
it was coming in almost easy at first. Um, I probably the the maybe the first year I had, I want to say fifty seniors. Oh wow! Okay. And I didn't know how that happened because later it didn't come that easy. I think it was because I I got this family that was very involved with the community and they were very involved with their church and they owned a gym in the area. So they just knew a ton of people and they loved what I did with their um, daughter. And since she had a lot of friends, it kind of snowballed. However, um, that kind of spoiled me a little bit because I didn't realize the next year it was a struggle. I think I had 13 seniors and that was with a lot of work. Um, and, uh, I think it spoiled me a little cause I thought, Oh, this is easy. I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll just put it out there and they just come and that's not the truth at all. Um, you know, <laughs> I know, you know, as a senior photographer, it's difficult as an adult to find where you fit in with marketing to these teenagers. Um, you know, how do I put my stuff in front of them? How do they see it? How do they know I exist? You know, that can be kind of difficult. And if you aren't, um, really marketing yourself and really trying hard, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about that struggle then. You mm -hmm. go from 50 next yeah. year, you're at 13. Yeah. That's a huge drop off, especially yeah. if that's income you're relying on. And mm -hmm. that's, it's also, it's, it's hard not to take it personally too, where all of a sudden you have 50 seniors wanting to book you. And mm -hmm. then you're like, you know, down to a dozen. So what was one of the things that you struggled with the most when that happened? I definitely, you know, went back and forth with, um, is this for me? Uh, you know, am I supposed to be doing this? Why aren't they rebooking? I didn't really realize, you know, once the seniors leave, there's no, they're not there anymore. So they're not influencing, you know, the juniors, the, the sophomores, the freshmen. So I didn't even think about that, you know, my first year of full-time business, it was just like, oh, well, it's going to happen. And um, then I started realizing, and I started joining groups like Senior Style Guide um, and realizing, oh, I have to actually put myself out there more. I have to go to games and um, pass out cookies at football games and stuff like that, um, which was so not my style because in high school, you wouldn't have caught me dead at a football game. <laughs> Like, honestly, so um, I was, I kind of had to transform myself into, um, you know, and I took my marketing knowledge that I had, oh, I have to appeal to these, this demographic. It might not be me, but my brand is not necessarily me. My brand is my clients and the clients that I want. And that was probably the most difficult thing to let go of. Um, and I think that a lot of people struggle with that. Um, you know, you are not always your ideal customer um, or client. Sometimes you're appealing to a demographic that you may not necessarily be in or, um, you know, and I, it, it was, it was a difficult transition, but I, I made that decision and I went, I started going to um, football games and things like that, passing out some cookies that I made. I also um, teamed up with a local a uh, little snack shop that's near one of the high schools that I really wanted clients in. And um, we did like a, a cool little thing where they did a raffle for me 
and you know i i um sponsored them to uh use their cookies at some of the games and stuff like that so it was it was a good match and i ended up getting um towards the end of that year i ended up booking about i want to say 27 or 28 seniors um and uh after that i went to almost 150. Um, wow so it was definitely um crazy that that happened uh so i think 2015 was my most um my year of biggest growth um because i went from 27 and i had i did have headshots and and families in that time that were a little bit easier to market to for me but I went almost all seniors in 2015. So you went from, you know, a few dozen to now all of a sudden you're at 150. Yes. That's got to be super overwhelming, I would imagine. It was um, anxiety inducing a little bit <laughs> because of the way that I edit. Um, I am a perfectionist, so it was difficult for me to batch edit. And so I started um, outsourcing my editing. I actually had a, a assistant that I taught everything to. So she would edit uh, about 25 to 30% of my sessions. Um, so that was definitely kind of the overwhelming year. And at the end of that year, uh, I had another struggle. I lost um, both of my parents and my grandmother within about seven or eight months. Um, so I went from 150 seniors back to about 50 because I had to take care of my parents' business, their affairs. I had to take on um, some foster children uh, that they were taking care of. So it was just, it went from, you know, it, it went back and forth, back and forth. So 2016, again, was a year of readjusting, rebuilding, and figuring out, um, can I do 150 seniors a year? And the answer for me personally was no. And I realized that. So I went to about 50 and then I started doing more and more headshots because they required less of my time. And um, I do maybe seven or eight larger brand campaigns per year, which take up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So um, it ended up, I kind of found my balance in 2016 and 2017 um, of where I wanted to be for seniors. And what do you think that it took for you to find that balance? Because a lot of photographers would look at it and say, 150, if I shoot 150 a year, man, I'm set. Yeah. But real in reality, I think that you and I both know that that's, it's not a, a good business model to have. No, it wasn't. It was so um, overwhelming. I felt like I had no time to myself. Um, you know, if you do the math, there's only 52 weeks in a year. Mm -hmm. So I was shooting multiple clients per week and I had no time to edit, no time to market. It was just, it. I couldn't even recall 2015 if I tried, honestly, because I still had a few family portraits that I was doing and I still had um, some other clients and I was shooting weddings, which I'll never do again, but <laughs> <laughs> you and I both, <laughs> but um, so it was an overwhelming year. And um, I think sometimes less is more. And when you're charging, if you're charging your, your full worth, 
you don't need to do 150 seniors a year. Um, for me, that sweet spot is, you know, between 50 and 70. 70 would be my, probably my, my max. And right now I'm doing, I'm hopefully going to do about 50 this year. So, yeah. So you mentioned kind of seeing your worth mm -hmm. in terms of pricing, number of clients you're taking on. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that, that journey as a photographer, because, um, a lot of people, you know, that if they price themselves low, no problem selling out their calendar. Mm -hmm. And then there's that kind of transition period where you bump up your prices to, you're like, I, I would love to only charge $200 or whatever mm -hmm. it is for a disc of images, but you know, I'd have to shoot 800 sessions yeah. to, to really make a, dent and and after taxes and time and all that stuff so what does that transition for you look like because I'm I'm assuming you went through it you didn't just start you oh, know yeah. no, where I, you are now absolutely not so um you know I probably started where everyone else was where you were very much undercharging yourself and if you actually did the cost of doing business you would say oh I'm paying people to shoot them because mm -hmm. at this point I'm making negative money um I think in 2015, I was doing okay. I was, I was not, I was mid market. Um, I wasn't making as much as I wanted to, and I was running myself ragged. So um, about nine months into the year, I upped my prices and I still was getting bookings. Um, and I wasn't, they weren't slowing down. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so uh, in 2016, I made the decision to go to the high end of the market where I'm at. Um, and uh, that definitely slowed my bookings down, but I'm making more money. So I'm working less and making more money. That just makes sense to me. That means that I have a better work-life balance and I'm able to feed my family. And, you know, so um, it ended up being a positive thing, but it was definitely scary. I'm not going to lie. It's, you know, when you go from, you know, charging three to $400 for a session, um, to a thousand dollars for a session, people tend to, you know, not be happy about that, but you're going to find those clients, even if you're not in a big city. And honestly, most of my clientele doesn't come from, you know, Sacramento, which isn't, it's a mid-level city, but a lot of my clientele comes from the country. You know, they're like, that's who wants this. So, um, it's not necessarily, you know, for those listening, well, I live in blah, 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 you know, wherever. Um, you know, I would say I've, I've made bookings in other, um, states and, uh, you know, people hear the word California, so they think, you know, people are going to want to spend more money, but, um, Sacramento is kind of a cow town. That's what people <laughs> call it sometimes, uh, you know, we're surrounded by farms and it's the farm to fork capital. So it's not necessarily like this big city with, you know, all that stuff. So, um, I kind of made a big jump. I went from, you know, I had, I have three packages and my lowest package when I was doing a bunch of seniors was uh, 325, I think, for everything. And now, and then I made it to where my lowest package was 825. And I 
we'll say I just got lucky and was able to get people to pay for that. And it doesn't always work. So maybe do increments. Um, but it, it worked for me. And, um, yeah, I, I like shooting 50 seniors a year. That makes me happier. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your take on this too, because I always say that you mentioned you were in kind of that middle market. Mm-hmm. I always say that the most dangerous place is that middle. Absolutely. It's easy to get booked when I, it's, it's easier to get booked when you're a lower priced photographer and then when you're a higher priced photographer, I think that it helps differentiate your brand. And I think that it's easier to get booked as a high-end photographer than that middle where everyone is fighting over kind of that, um, kind of like that no man's land where there's not a whole lot of differentiation in the brands. Everyone's kind of doing it similar because they're taking, they need to take on so many more seniors that they don't have that time to define that brand or um, individualize the session maybe as much because they're so busy with other things. What's your take on that? I completely agree with you. I think, um, you know, when I was at that mid-level um, market, it I was fighting people that had a very similar structure to me. The only difference was I was offering a style closet, but that meant my overhead was bigger, which meant I was making less money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was fighting with them for the same prices. I think if you are in that mid-level market, you better do something to really stand out and um, you have to rebrand yourself um, to look a little different. Um, I think, uh, you know, it. there's a ton of photographers in my area, just an absolute ton. And there are plenty of clients to go around and I think there's clients for everybody. But, you know, someone who's booking a, a photographer that's, charging 150 to 200 dollars is probably not going to book me um you know the people that book me want a certain look they want to be styled and they want it to you know feel like a model for a day um and that's the experience that i offer but there's other you know there's great photographers all over and everyone can offer their own experience it's just finding what isn't in your market or something that's not overly represented in your market and targeting that you're really known for having that, that creative, different, unique style. Mm-hmm. How did you find that? And, and what did you find was the difference between your creativity level, maybe when you're shooting 150 versus dropping down to kind of where you are now? Oh, the creativity level when I was at 150 clients was next to nothing. Yeah. Um, I did have a small style closet at the time. Um, but it was mostly like floral maxi dresses and maybe a few cute coats. I mostly had um, accessories because I found that my clients would show up and they would have, you know, cute outfits, but they weren't accessorizing them properly to make for this, you know, cohesive look. So I kind of bought a few hats, a few scarves, a few things like that. Um, because no matter how much I told them to bring that stuff, they wouldn't. (laughs) So, um, my style closet was kind of built out of what I wanted to shoot and, you know, living in Sacramento, it's not, you know, LA or New York. So I wanted to shoot what looked like a fashion magazine. And so in order to do that, I had beautiful clients and I decided to take a thousand dollars out of my, um, kind of like savings and 
put it towards some really cool clothes. That was my goal. And then I told myself over the next years, few years, I'll only spend this amount of month, you know, a month, um, towards that. I'll sell what doesn't, you know, what doesn't work. And so I kind of started doing that and, um, it made me to decide to get more creative. Um, so when I had more time, I could, uh, have my clients come in before the session and try on some clothes. We could see what they liked. They brought their own clothes as well. Um, and we kind of meshed that together. And I think my first like fully styled shoot was when it kind of clicked. Okay. This is exactly what everyone else is not offering in my area. And this is what I can do to stand out. So slowly but surely I started getting the, those clients that wanted that magazine ad look and um, they really went for it. So it was exciting. Yeah. How, how do you stay inspired? Oh gosh. Well, sometimes I won't lie. Sometimes I am not inspired. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, you just want to like curl up and say, I quit. Uh, that's, that happens sometimes. Um, and I think with a creative mind, um, it's natural to kind of have those highs and lows. Um, but I'm always looking at uh, magazine ads and I'm looking at stuff overseas as well. I think, um, what they're doing in places like, um, uh, Russia and, um, Switzerland and stuff like that. If you look, I think that's what's coming next, um, over here, which I know that the U S is supposed to be like the trendsetter, but sometimes in photography, it's not. And in fashion, it's not. Um, so I've, I've noticed that there's a lot of kind of messy hair, um, kind of sports wear, like they have like the tennis. Kind of like that athletic fashion. Yeah, yeah. so um, I kind of keep an eye on that stuff. Um, Serbia, Vogue Serbia is like the coolest if you guys aren't subscribed to Vogue Serbia. <laughs> I can't read a darn thing in it, but they have the coolest pictures. And so I kind of keep an eye on that kind of stuff. I try not to draw from other photographers in my area. I, I, it's not that I, I follow them and I try to, but I try to kind of ignore all of that um, just so I can keep myself fresh and that, you know, if by some chance we have something that crosses over, that so be it but I know that I'm getting it from, you know, wherever else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you say to those that, that struggle to be creative or, or struggle to be inspired? Because it, it, I, I, you know, I was, it was so funny. I was sitting at, um, it was the push conference about two or three years ago. And I think it was Brooke Daniels was doing a piece on styling mm -hmm. and she's like, yeah, you just take this like, it was like a flower basket or something like that. She's just, you, you just flip it upside down and, and now it's a hat. And I was like, in what world? I was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't awesome. believe it. So for those photographers like myself where, um, you know, creativity doesn't necessarily come as, as naturally, um, what do you say to them in kind of inspiration or figuring out how to, to find creativity? So I think, um, you know, I always tell my seniors, uh, if you're shopping and you're not sure what will look good, always look at the mannequins when you're shopping. Um, Tara Rochelle says the exact same thing. Yes. Yep. I mean, honestly, you know, if you feel you are completely stuck creatively, 
let the people who do it professionally do it for you. So walk into Forever 21, or as Tara Rochelle would say, Zara, <laughs> <laughs> or, um, you know, H&M, something like that. And uh, look at the mannequins, see what they're wearing, look at the ads and see what they're wearing and kind of go from there. Um, but I think it starts to happen instinctively. I did always have... I don't want to say a passion for fashion, but that's the only thing I can think of. But um, I've always loved fashion. So I think some people obviously it will come more naturally too. But I'm raising two girls that have totally different fashion sets than I have. You know, one is more of a jeans and a t-shirt kind of gal. And the other one is more into like anime stuff that is like way over my head. I have no idea what's <laughs> happening. So um you know, I think you can find inspiration for every client as long as you keep yourself open-minded, look at magazines constantly. And if you don't want to buy a magazine, you can go on, you know, there's plenty of, there's Vogue.com and everything else. Um, Pinterest, Instagram, hashtag, all of that stuff. Yeah. And SeniorStyleGuide.com. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, well, and for those people that are looking at that, what's your advice for, you know, taking one idea and not just straight off ripping off of it and making it your own? I would say find colors, start with colors, um, not patterns. So start with colors that are either complementary or if you want to do something, look at that color wheel. And like, if you look at a color wheel, orange and, and purple are on the opposite sides. So you would think, ew, who wants to put that together? But in fashion, that's okay. Um, so if you want to go something completely different or you want to go with the complementary colors, you can look at, um, designseeds.com. They have a really cool thing where they take pictures and then they find the color schemes for each. And, you know, you can use it for your wedding. You can use it for, um, styling and, and mood boards and everything else. So that's another thing that you can draw from. And I think and what was the name of the last one? Design seeds. Design seeds. Cool. Yeah. It's really a cool um, little website. So I think something like that would um, help someone who, you know, isn't necessarily fashion minded. Um, but also, you know, colors and then silhouettes and then patterns. So I think those are the most important um, in order. So, um, yeah, definitely keep that in mind. You know, when it comes to silhouettes, you obviously want to go with something more flattering. Um, you know, so keeping something that has the waist drawn in is usually good, mm -hmm. um, and makes everyone look taller. That's usually, I know my clients struggle with that where they're like, Oh, this dress is super cute. And you're like, yeah, but if any wind catches that, you're going to look like a parachute, honey. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's not going to be great. Yeah. So. It's, a. Uh, it's definitely, you know, not an ideal, uh, it's, it's hard to find the ideal silhouettes when stuff that's in fashion right now isn't necessarily the most form flattering. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, when you go to Target, they have the block tops, mm -hmm. which are really cute if you're very, very thin um, and have a long torso, but everyone else, it's terrible. And so I think, um, you know, convincing your clients, hey, this is what is going to photograph well, um, is very, very important. I actually already have a guide that kind of shows them and I have to update it all the time. You know, I did my first one probably in 2015, but if I showed you guys that now, it's like 
totally 2015 fashion. <laughs> so I have to keep updating it. But it kind of shows, you know, this is what's going to look good and this is why it's going to look good. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like you've already shot your best work? No, not at all. I think my best work is always the next one. I try to, like, I just did this one with the parachute dress that was super fun. Um, that wasn't the only outfit we did, but it was such a fun shoot. And I was so inspired the entire time because we started off in Old Town Folsom and it has this really cute, um, kind of like these old shops and coffee shops. So we put her in like this cute little boho thing. And then we found a arcade that I didn't even know existed back there. So we put her in this cool dress that has like silver and pink and it, it totally went with the uh, vibe of the arcade. And then the last outfit of the day was that parachute dress. And I've never shot one before. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to do this all the time. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, so I think, you know, uh, your best work is always ahead of you if you keep innovating and if you keep trying. I love it. Um, let's go off of this. What's your, what's your kind of current pulse on the industry? Where do you think it's heading? Where do you think it is right now? You know, um, it's difficult because I know with um, phones getting more uh, digitally <laughs> advanced. advanced and yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, it's obvious. I mean, I've had a couple of, I've shot a couple of seniors that I know, um, their younger siblings might not come to me because I haven't booked them yet and they're juniors. And I'm like, well, is it because their friend has a good camera? Is it because, you know, um, they found someone else? It, it's hard to tell. I know that I feel there's always going to be a client that wants an experience. And I think as a photographer, it's important to create an experience and not just show up on the day of, take some pictures and then send them, you know, in the mail later, whatever it is. Um, I, that's why I think it's important. And the people that will survive, um, are the people that offer an experience. And that doesn't mean you have to have a, a studio. Um, you know, I offered all of this without a studio for a very long time. So I think um, that's who's going to survive kind of this. Uh, everyone has a digital camera uh, or access to a really good camera um, kind of wave. So yeah, it's scary. It's definitely scary. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think um, the experience is what's going, going to keep us afloat. If you were going to talk to one photographer, maybe who's, who's struggling in, in some capacity, whether that be business or, or creativity or art or, or what have you, what's that one piece of advice or that one lesson that, that you give them? Um, I would say try something different. Um, if what you're doing now isn't working and you've been trying for a long time, shake it up a little bit. Um, I've had to shake it up multiple times and it's scary to, to do, but you kind of just have to, um, you know, focus on the business side first and foremost, I think without a solid understanding of how to run a business on your own, there's no way you'll ever be successful. Um, so understanding your cost of doing business, understanding how to market 
and that whole back end is far more important than anything you'll put out there on social media and any photo you'll you'll shoot because I know a ton of photographers who are very successful who aren't necessarily um, the best photographers in the world but they get clients because they know how to do their own business and they know how to network and it's all about you know, if you're not getting bookings, it's because you're not putting yourself out there more. Um, and that was a hard lesson for me. That's for sure. Because like I said, um, that, that second year of business, I, I was just like, where is everybody? You know, I, I did not have a lot of bookings. So face to face is so important and word of mouth, um, is so important. Absolutely. I love it. And I think that's a great wrap for this podcast. Where can people connect with you online via social, all that good stuff? So um, I am at Lacey MC, which is L-A-C-E-Y MC on Instagram, and then Lacey M. Carroll on Twitter and um, Lacey M. Carroll on uh, Facebook. Perfect. Um, website or anything like that? Oh, yeah. And www.laceymcarroll.com. Websites still exist. Yes, so. it does. Awesome. <laughs> um, if you guys are joining for the very first Real Talk, if this is your first time ever listening or watching, welcome. If you guys are a longtime viewer and listener, welcome back. Um, I always like to wrap with our guest asking a question to you guys, our, our listeners and viewers, um, which Lacey will do in just a second. Um, but first, go ahead, take a screenshot of this podcast, um, share it on Instagram stories, tag at Senior Style Guide at Sean Brown Productions, and then tag Lacey at LaceyMC on Instagram. Perfect. Um, and answer this question below so that we guys, that we can connect with you and just give you a little shout out and say hello. So, um, with that said, what do you want to ask our viewers? Um, I'm going to ask what their favorite pizza topping is. Favorite pizza <laughs> topping. I like it. Keeping it simple today. So perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lacey. Um, definitely if you guys have not had a chance to check out her work. I highly encourage it. It's a huge source of inspiration just to see what she's doing. And then, um, like I said, make sure that you connect with us so that we can say hello and, and thank you guys for, for watching, um, real talk. So with that, we'll, we'll sign off and until next time that wraps it up for this episode of the senior style guide, real talk podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to. And it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and, and the community. In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook and the Senior Style Guide group over there, where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit that subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. Thank you guys for joining us and we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode and we'll see you around.
Thank you.